What's happening, weirdos? It is Pete. Do not panic. Val is obviously and uh, essentially, uh, meaning it's essential that she is part of this podcast. She is here. Do not fear. To be clear, she is here. I'm just doing the intro here on my own. Uh, A couple things to plug. One, if you want to come and see me do stand-up, I have one and only one date right now, and it's here in Los Angeles at Largo, February 12th. Uh, it's always my favorite place to perform. We're we're taking some big swings on the guests this month. Hopefully they'll come through. It's always amazing, no matter who is there. And it's on a Saturday, which we almost never have a weekend show, so hopefully that'll make it easier to make an evening of it. Uh, go to Largo-LA.com if you're in the LA area and want to come out. It is so, so fun, and I'm glad to be back at it. I've even been giving away things from the Pete Holmes Show, stuff stuff from my office that I'm just trying to clear out, handing it out to the audience. It's been really cool. So if you can make it, come check it out. It would be awesome to see you there. And also we have some Pete's picks like Living Libations. Living Libations is an incredible, natural, easy to understand the ingredients, skin care, hair care, teeth care, everything on your body care company that I became uh, conscious of not that long ago, maybe five, six years ago, I realized I was very careful and mindful about what I was putting in my body, but not very careful about what I was putting on my body, which of course gets into your body. I was buying shaving creams and face washes that I thought were fancy and good because frankly they were expensive or they had French names or they were sold in kiosks and malls. But of course these products are made by corporations that don't care about us, that are filled with chemicals linked to disease and just toxicity levels that were never intended for humans. So I came to the realization I want to eat food where I recognize the ingredients and I want my skincare to be the same and I want it to be incredible. And that is what Living Libations is. Ingredients you recognize, natural, real, and good, and completely, I'm going to use the term, it's badass. The stuff that they make is so effective, I'm going to call it badass. We start every morning. Uh, Leela goes to preschool. We slather her in their zinc-based sunscreen. As a parent, I find it so hard, or I found it so hard, to find a sunscreen that was actually natural and that actually worked. Living Libations has an incredible one that is easy to put on and keeps her protected all day with ingredients we can recognize. It's I haven't found another one like it. Only Living Libations makes it. I think it's awesome. Personally, my routine involves their ginger exfoliating scrub, which is made with plants and oils and extracts that I recognize as real and natural, but is also the best exfoliant I've ever used. I use that before I shave. When I shave, I use their Zen Shave, which is their balm that is so clean and natural and moisturizing, you can actually use a dab of it as aftershave. Try doing that with some anonymous neon blue goo shot from a pressurized can. I don't recommend it. Plus, their Best Skin Ever Moisturizer, both Val and I use it at night. Smells great, feels great, gets uh, feeling great right before bed but whatever your skin needs this is a great way to support the show i promise for your face your body your eyes your teeth even baby care living libations has a premium natural and wonderful product to replace the random chemical nightmare that you may be using now so show your support get something small get something big subscribe to something whatever you do uh, it directly supports this show, and we appreciate it. Go to livinglibations.com, and uh, this is new. It's different promo codes. We're swapping it up. So for January, if you're listening to this the month that comes out, it's promo code WEIRD2022. Uh, that's 15% off your order. Or if you're listening to this in February, it's so close, I'll give you both. It's Weird Love 
is the promo code for February, depending on when you listen to this. Secondly, uh, I am currently wearing my perfect jeans. As you guys know, I hate a hard pant. I don't understand why we can't just give in, move into the 21st century, and start wearing comfortable soft pants that look good. But unfortunately, that was a really hard thing to do. Until recently, I tried to wear yoga pants in public. That, that wasn't great. Enter the perfect jean. Great look, perfect fit, and super soft and flexible fabric that looks so good no one needs to know. We are trapped. We are, sorry, we are trapping parts of our bodies and restricting them like they owe us money. I'm talking about ding-dongs, everybody. I'm talking ding-dongs. And these are the best pants I've ever owned, and it takes the pressure off that zone. <laughs> I'm going to call it a zone. I literally haven't taken them off since they arrived. I have them in black. I have them in dark blue. I love, I actually have them in two other uh, cuts as well. They have different cuts. They have different colors. They're 2% spandex, 2.5% rayon, just a little bit but it gives you a lot of extra comfort and movement that your man parts require. The jean stretches so your nuts ain't crushed, thereby providing the only true home for your bone. Super, super soft, super, super durable, and best of all, they're not khakis. Fuck your khakis and spare your nuts. The perfect jean for the perfectly imperfect men are just 60 bucks when you use code WEIRDO at checkout. It's literally a code I have gone back to that site time and time again and ordered more cuts, more colors, using Weirdo myself to get more of these pants. So liberate your lower limbs with the one and only perfect gene, whether you're working with lemons or lentils, a three-leaf clover, or a big old honking eggplant. Always my favorite part of the copy. The Perfect Gene has you covered. Take a peek at theperfectgene.nyc. That's www.theperfectgene.nyc. Use code WEIRDO for 25% off at checkout and show your support of the show. Last but not least, the uh, the Pete's Pick that has absolutely been with me the longest and has been a daily part of my regimen. I had a little bit of weed last night, and I was so foggy at work, and I was just struggling, and then I remembered... Oh yeah, I have Alpha Brain. Alpha Brain is for for real, for real, uh, the supplement that has changed my life the most. I love it. It supports your memory and your focus. I find it to be incredibly helpful for creativity, uh, for remembering lines, for hosting this podcast, for doing stand-up, for writing scripts. Anything that you need to do, somebody at work that I am getting along with quite well just told me that he heard me talking about Alpha Brain. He is now on it. And he told me, I don't understand why everybody doesn't take it. And I was like, right? If you're using your brain and you would like it to be easier to access the uh, information in your brain, the abilities of your brain, and I'm not talking about a stimulant, it's not caffeine, it doesn't get you, doesn't elevate your heart rate, it's just earth-grown ingredients, grown right here on the good old earth, that help you focus and help you access your memory, your recall, your language. It is incredibly helpful. I wish I knew about it in college. I'm so glad I know about it now. This podcast you're listening about to listen to, I definitely took two or three Alpha Brain uh, 15 minutes before we started. I have it in my car. I have it in my travel bag. I have it uh, right here on the desk. Obviously, I have another one in the house. I'm never far from my Alpha Brain. If you like it one-tenth as much as I like it, you are going to lose your, your, your marbles. Well, that's not good for a nootropic. Uh, you'll shit your pants. There you go. <laughs> it is truly wonderful. I highly, highly recommend it. Go to onit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird for 10% off and show your uh, support of this podcast. That's onit.com slash weird. Get that in your brain. 
get clear, get creative, get focused, and show your support of the show. All right, everybody, that is it. Let's get into the episode. It is me. It is Val. We are happy to be with you. Get into it. Well, what's up, Dale? Daylight come, man. It's the silly part of the episode. Dale. Maybe the whole time will be silly. Who knows? We don't know. You can't know. We know, like, even less than you do. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make we any We know the sense. exact same as you do. I guess I was thinking, like, for you, it's already happened. So you could skip forward and stuff. Or you could listen to 2x speed. What wow. lunatic... I know, I know someone. (sighs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. You're doing my dad thing. And I got myself a piece of pork. Okay. Okay. And not like, not like a little chop. I mean like a piece of pork. Okay. (laughs) That's exactly right. Um, It's just a shame that more people can't enjoy how completely accurate your impression is of your dad. And my brother. And your brother. My brother is 10 out of 10 perfect. It's the best impression you've ever done. I know. I I don't mean to agree with you, and and no one can verify that it's true. I can. (laughs) Hey, dude, it's your brother. That's my brother. Yeah. Hey, dude. But I know someone. (laughs) (laughs) What's happening, dude? I know someone who is a comedian. Ooh. Who is fantastic and a lovely person, mm-hmm. but listens to pot audiobooks on double speed. I know who you're talking about while getting, while a, massage. getting a massage. Because every time I've gotten a massage since you told me that little fun fact, that little sweet nug, mm-hmm. I've taken a moment to think what a fucking lunatic she is. <laughs> What, like a disturbed... Okay, who? well, maybe she probably doesn't listen to this podcast. Well, no. Also, she would know that I'm joking. A little? I just... You know what it is? Is it's mania. Yeah. And when you're... I was just listening to Eki Tolls in the car today. One of the things I love most... Not most, but one of the things I love about going back to work, and I went back to work today, is that I'm back in my car... And when I'm in my car is when I listen to Eki Tolls. Yeah. And Eki Tolls was talking about that thing. Like, you can't... Eckhart Tolle is who I mean. In case this... You know, I can't believe that you started with this one. Yeah. But if this is the first time you've listened to this podcast, <laughs> Eki Tolls, Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, Changed My Life. Read it almost every year. Just can't stop reading it. Love it. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop. And I won't stop. <sighs> And also, I'm actually listening to the book to help me detach from my attachment to it. I'm just kidding. Also, I will say, I do, when I'm checking out a new podcast, I very frequently just listen to the most recent episode. Of course. Because I want, like, current feelings. You don't want to... That was, like, my bit. Mm-hmm. I had a bit where I go, all porn is in the past. Mm-hmm. It, they, we, we are ahead of them. This is exactly... Sorry. I just haven't done stand-up in a while because of the Coco Maloco. Yeah. <laughs> so as I'm saying that, I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah, you're good at it. No, that's yeah. that's very nice. But like the joy of saying all porn happened in the past. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I'm going to read one of my old bits from my notebook from 2001, I think. 2003. Anyway, having a line like that. I, and then I got to mime out people humping, which is fun. Humping. <laughs> And then I go, 
I wonder if Hillary won was the thing. Yeah. I just, you don't think of it as time. You don't think of porn no. as in time. Yeah. You don't think of people in porn movies as having cars and keys yeah. and IDs and, you know, they have a junk drawer in their house. Oh, yeah. They have like something that you love that they hate. Like you love Cinnamon Toast Crunch and they just hate it. Mm-hmm. They believe I mean, in ghosts or they insane. don't believe in ghosts. Mm-hmm. Some of them have almost died. <laughs> Some of them like lost someone recently. Mm-hmm. It went during the clip you're watching. They're, they're, they're partly doing it, is my positive spin, to get their mind off of the fact that they just lost their parrot. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Parrot. Parrots. Yeah. Not their parents. Parrot. Oh, that's awkward. You, you yeah. get a scholarship because they're interviewing you and it's like, and it's, it's, it, you're British. You're like, and it's a very hard time. It's a bit of a hard time, actually, because I just lost my parrots. <laughs> oh, my God. Young boy. <laughs> you you are admitted full scholarship. I'm so sorry. And then the rest of the movie, now it's a movie, he has to keep his parents away from this hoity-toity American boarding school, even though he's British, and could have gone to Oxford or Cambridge. And he has to buy a parrot cage. And- <laughs> <laughs> no, he did lose his parrot. I know, but he has to make it look like... Well, then the he dean, already has it. The dean's coming over. The dean's coming over. He had, Look, this dude oh, is did. deep. Oh, he, he did is, lose his He's flush in just, dead parrots. I just put it. So he has to get rid of his parrots. Well, he, he has no, keep, he has to keep his dead parrots, but not expose his living parents. Right. I was his, because people like to say I salsa. Know, I can't get it through my head that he has actual dead parrots. His parrots died. I know. That's the whole hook I'm of just the movie. Really enjoying how many times I. I've gotten it wrong. Yes, no, me too. I'm loving it. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe is Hugh Moss. In. Uh, in. Accepted. Oh, that's already been taken. Parrothood. Parrothood. <laughs> if anyone wants to fight, I'll fight them if they don't think you're the greatest gift. I want it back at the end. You're the great. <laughs> Stop it. We've been getting in a lot of tips lately, and it's because you are the meanest person to Valerie. I'm not. I don't think that I'm mean. You're to not her. that mean, but you're the meanest. <laughs> if I heard anyone else say the things that you say, that I'm going to say are PG 13. I mean, I still get mad. I do. I really. You'd be like, uh, you're writing a script. Sorry, I interrupted. No. I'm excited. No. To defend your honor. I just think that I, like, I have a. I, I, I have good self-esteem, but I have a self-critic, and especially because I'm trying to write something right now. Uh, it's like, of course, that's That's wonderful. That's great. Thank you for helping me understand. Hmm. Because I don't want to whitewash you. I, I don't think I do whitewash you. Hmm. I certainly whitewashed my first wife. She would be like, I don't know. I could see her kill somebody, and I'd be like, but you're still a precious angel, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing that to you. But it's very interesting that you say that, because I think having an inner critic, as we talked about other weeks... Is super important. Mm-hmm. You have to have that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing, the the mania of writing or creating or writing stand up or, or whatever it might be, and believing that it's good, and then you let your conscious brain edit it. Yeah. But the unconscious writes it. Mm-hmm. Boy, we've been talking so much about P.T. Anderson because you've never seen Magnolia. But before we get to that, and then I did see. You Magnolia. did see Magnolia. We can talk a little bit about Magnolia, but uh, I'm saying a little bit. <laughs> Uh, okay, I, you know, sure. No, you know what that was is I don't want people to think that I, I don't know if people want to hear us talk about Magnolia too much. So I'm like, don't sure. worry, don't change, don't touch that dial. 
But this is what's interesting. I've always had major issues with uh, booger nights. (laughs) (laughs) That is a joke just for... Us at best, you. Oh no! There is a man. He lives in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. He rocks this podcast in his um, what is it? Rav Four. He drives a Rav. You gotta have four wheel drive in the in the UP. Mm. A Yupper, mm-hmm. and he's cruising. And he died at Booger Nights. In fact, it reminded him of a friend he had in junior high that called it Booger Nights, and and now he's gonna call him. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. But I've never liked Booger Nights because it's so sad, and and what it is, and you helped me realize this. This was a Boogie Nights. In case anyone's confused, <laughs> Boogie Nights. I love Paul Thomas Anderson, but Boogie Nights is towards the bottom of my list of fave films, and and it stays there, but close to the bottom. It's not the bottom, but 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 everybody else loves it. Everybody else is like their favorite, and you. I watch. We're watching it with you. We're only an hour in because we have a baby and we're exhausted. So we're watching it in hour chunks. It took us three nights to watch Magnolia. Mm. So we're watching Boogie Nights, and all of the things that I sort of warned you were like bummers. I didn't spoil it, but I was like, they're bummers. You were watching it in this different way. Mm-hmm. Why don't you explain that? Because I thought it was really interesting, and then I'll, I'll mention the dumb thing. Well, and it is funny to to. No, that we watched Magnolia. I mean, it took us three nights, but we watched it. That's our Hanukkah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> our Hanukkah is watching Magnolia. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, funny. it's funny. It's funny to be fun. It's fun to and be it's fun. fun to be funny. Yo. It's fun. Um, we, so we watched Magnolia and the, the prequel you gave of the preface you gave it was so long it felt like a prequel to magnolia <laughs> so i explained it for three and a half hours and that's, yeah and that's... that took another three nights so we're getting close to the eight nights <laughs> <laughs> you are a true talent <laughs> oh my jesus in my mind look i'm gonna remember to say it uh, i'm writing you a check for ten thousand dollars for that moment i loved it you get it do you remember the actual moment that you said that no. What I said? Yeah, I Do don't you? Either. No. Shit. But I made a joke and you said, in my mind, I'm writing you a check for $10,000. But what was funny about that was involuntarily, in my mind's eye, what I did see was a fountain pen <laughs> signing a check to you. For So it's funny to say it. Yeah. As like, oh, I'm doing a bit. But that's literally what I involuntarily, like the joy of some line that you said while we were, what we pause a lot. We watch Great British Bake Off. We talk about weight loss and gain of, of people on the show. Okay, I'm sorry, but we do. Yeah. And I paused it, and you be, and you said something so funny, and that's what I imagined, and that makes it more pure than just a silly thing I'm saying. That's true, and also it. I love when like your unconscious makes a cute little joke, like you yes. were, like you didn't give the order, but it's just like it made its, it's way really through. Funny. Yeah. Um, I was actually going to say the like disclaimers that you gave for Magnolia were so much less comparatively to me than what they needed. You are so funny because Magnolia is a way darker movie. Magnolia 
is like this. I love it. It's beautiful. Everyone's dying. It is the saddest. Everyone's desperate. Hardest, heaviest thing. And that's what you you just were like. It's not bad. It's just kind of heavy. And that, like, I stand by that. And but I think it is. And Magnolia is sad. I mean, Boogie Nights is so sad. See, to me, Magnolia, you cry. Man. Go ahead. Oh, but oh, 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 oh! I'm sorry, I'm interviewing the new kids on the block. Oh, 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 oh that is so stupid. <laughs> I'm gonna take a check for ten thousand dollars and rip it up because that was so bad. <laughs> withdrawal. I'm gonna withdraw. I'm gonna lose ten thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna rob my. Okay, keep going. <laughs> um, but to me, so far, and we haven't finished Boogie Nights, but to me, like it's like a fun. It like. You had made it sound like it was so sad, and I was like, "Well, if he's saying this about Boogie Nights, and After he just Magnolia. said that, he just called Magnolia heavy, that yes. Boogie Nights is going to be so rough to get through." And I have been delighted <laughs> at yeah. every turn. I'm like, "This is fun. This is like a weird, crazy there, world." And there are some unbelievable moments, but that's that's your that's your POV. And I think this is going to sound forced, but it's true. I spent a good portion of my drive home after I listened to Eki Tolls thinking about how holiness is being able to watch a movie like Boogie Nights mm. and just enjoy it for what it is. And what I was doing is constantly judging it and resisting it mm. instead of just going what you were doing, which was like, this is what porn was like in the 70s. Yeah. There are stories like this. Mm-hmm. And what helped me enjoy it was you... You helped me realize, or maybe you said, if you were just a disembodied consciousness watching these characters, you'd be fascinated. Mm. But what I'm doing is I'm putting all these lenses in between me and the movie of judgment, of moral judgment, of like... My main problem is that it's... um, And forgive me, I I don't like calling anybody, including movie characters, stupid. Mm -hmm. But they're sort of stupid. Like Mark Wahlberg jumping on the bed. (laughs) I guess guileless might be better than stupid. He's just naive. Yeah. And he's not... Like, he's not super... He he, he shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. He's in, like, a very dysfunctional home environment. Yeah. He just likes karate, Mm -hmm. Farrah Fawcett, jerking off for cash. Mm -hmm. And his girlfriend, he's... Whatever. He's jumping on the bed, and he just looks like such a momo. (laughs) Like, such a sweet... Like a dog or something. Yeah. Like, just like an innocent puppy. And you love him. Yeah. And you know, this kid... (laughs) doesn't know what he is. He doesn't know that he's valuable. Yeah. And then when someone tells him you are valuable and it's for your big shiny cock mm-hmm. and he accepts that as like, I am valuable. I have a big shiny cock and I love to fuck <laughs> yeah. and I'm and I'm cute. The whole time I'm just like He's being taken advantage of, mm-hmm. and everybody is taking advantage of him. The 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 colonel that produces the movie, the director, the, they they're making more money, and 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 it breaks my heart that he's believing that his value. And and listen to me, I mean, of course, I believe my specialness is my value, mm-hmm. and then I have all this body shame and puritanical sex shame. Mm-hmm. So it's a very difficult movie to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you were like. To talk about how you you saw it, I just went on a whole thing. I no, I really feel I feel all of those things. Like I'm like he's he's kind of a simple <laughs> man. He does karate in the mirror, and it's so fun. But you're just like, 
but, he needs a he needs Mel Gibson man without a face. He needs a, a summer in the woods reading classics, <laughs> and and not just not just educating himself, but learning his value, his intrinsic value. Yeah, and and so many. Of, I mean, I'm still working on that. We're all working on that. Yeah, but I do think that. I guess I just don't take. I see it how you see it, where I'm like, this is a a, a Momo who is being <laughs> a Momo. told that his worth is this thing. You see, Roller Girl like not Her doing too. well in school. It's that very kills sad. Me. It's it tragic. Kills me. But I am not like. But I also am just kind of like, yeah, that's sad. And there's also. Truth. funny moments and there's truth and it's interesting and it's more like I'm looking at it like sociologically at this world I'm not taking like anthropologically it, almost yeah and I'm not like taking it all very personally and I am because... when Roller Girl leaves the test because she can't focus because she doesn't understand the test I'm sorry but this is a deep issue for you I can't it takes me back to math class when I had a panic attack basically mm-hmm. because Ern was Ern my best friend was circling his answers. I could hear, I've told the story many times, but I, I could hear him circling the answers. Mm-hmm. So I, and I focused on that and I obsessed on it. I was on page one, question one, oh, and he's oh. turning the page. He's ripping ass through this math test. Yeah. And Mr. Grala, Mr. John Grala, I still thank you, sir, because I got up. I didn't expect to be let off the hook, but I was like, I can't focus. And he sent me to the nurse. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm Roller Girl, and yeah. I worry about Burt Reynolds. Finding me and being like, let's see that ding dong shithead. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, it just happens to be all of your most deep seated issues in one movie. (laughs) (laughs) My biggest fear is I'm stupid. And you, and like, you do, yes, your biggest fear is that you're stupid. Your biggest fear is that you just are like your talent and that you're not. And as soon as my ding, like to use the Wahlberg or Dirk Diggler, as soon as my shiny ding dong goes flaccid, I'm worthless. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm watching him be like, and again, PT, please come on the pod. You're my, you're like the top, I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis, you'd understand would be a bigger get, but I mean, you got to be tied for first with DDL. Oh, yeah. Please don't misunderstand. I think your movie was effective. Why am I doing this? Why am I apologizing to Paul Thomas Anderson, who's not listening to this podcast? Not listening. But I'm like, as soon as my shine goes away, mm-hmm. I'm worried that my value goes away. Yes. And yeah. then it also is porn and sex stuff. And I don't, I posed it as a leading question last night when I was like, do you think maybe your porn <laughs> stuff is, is getting. No, I'm laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing at how, of course, it was a leading question. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm realizing now. It's just, you this know. is good radio. I'm realizing right now. Yes, I didn't know in the moment. Um, yeah. It just is affecting how you're seeing this because you are, I think, it, it they are being taken advantage of. But I feel like you're being, you're like, they're being taken advantage of in the most, the worst possible way ever, which is to have to 
like bone for cash in porn which is the kind of darkest nastiest worst thing which is funny that we came into this my you see how i i do work i make effort mental effort Mm. to remember that that porn people are 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 human beings yeah well this is why i've you know the fact that they get ripped off and that the government just completely doesn't care about the thing that the government cares the most about which is money and commerce doesn't care that porn stars just have their stuff pirated completely 100% all the time because of the same shit that's going on in me. I'm like, what the fuck? Did I fall asleep and become the White House? Is this whole thing just my dream? And I'm like, of course the president uh, doesn't doesn't try to stop the extortion of porn stars because they're dirty with their flappy titties. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We haven't gotten to it yet, though. And it's not a spoiler. But he's about to do cocaine. Like, we paused it right before he starts mm-hmm. doing cocaine. And uh, forgive me if you guys haven't seen Boogie Nights. <laughs> uh, Booger Night. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, but it's Julianne Moore that gives it to him. Mm-hmm. And she gives it to him in a maternal way. Yeah. In like a, try this baby. And when Burt Reynolds says she's like a mother to all those who need love, okay. I'm sitting there going like, this is a bunch of people... Pouring Sprite on a bleeding wound. Like, it's yeah. not going to work. Like, it's yeah. going to taste lemon and limey for a time. And go to Sprite.com slash weird for 5% added to the bill. It's actually 5% more. <laughs> Sorry. I haven't had... Uh, we've been doing a weird fast, and I haven't had a, a chai in a long time, and I just the had caffeine's one. just coming right I haven't had caffeine you. for five days. Um, yeah, I... Again, that is really sad. Like, that's going to be a painful moment to get to. And I'm just, like, able to be, like, wow, how interesting and sad. Right. And not feel it so personally. But there are other movies, like Magnolia, (laughs) where I... What? It's just so funny that I know the point you're going to make. Yeah. And I'm like, let's watch let's watch Magnolia. I think it's a comedy. This is funny. Oh, my God. Tom, Tom Cruise when is we, funny. When we got to the kid peeing his pants, which is the worst thing I've ever seen, you were like, afterwards, you were like, it's not, that's the worst it gets. And then it just gets so much sadder and yeah. worse. But I loved it. It was beautiful. I'm so glad I watched it. You know, yeah, and I forgot a lot of parts of Magnolia. Yeah. Like, when I think Let's Watch Magnolia, you know what I'm thinking of? Hmm. T. Cruz and his monologue to his dying dad. Yeah. And now, forevermore, I'll think of the dying the dying dad monologue yeah. about regret. So good. And the way that it juxtaposes to the other guy who doesn't regret because he doesn't know what he did. Yeah. So it's sort of like a, a study on the importance of regret. Yeah. Regret led him to want to reconnect with his son. Yeah. And the other guy can't reconnect with his daughter. Jimmy Gator can't reconnect with his daughter mm-hmm. because he doesn't... He's not even... They're enough to regret. Yeah. Because he's drunk all the all the time. Yep. Yeah. It I mean, I really I think I will think of those scenes too and want to watch it again someday, but I right now I'm like, well, I'll never watch that again. But I loved it. It's so beautiful. Yeah. No. Um but Boogie Nights, yeah, I'm just it's just not my cocktail of Wounds, so I'm able to be like, this is sad and tragic, but I'm not like feeling it in my gut the same. And you pointed out, look, uh, love my mom. I think we've covered that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but you pointed out that the, the scene that kills me yeah. is that Mark Wahlberg, who in all the interviews, by the way, with P.T. Anderson I've been watching, he calls him Marky Wahlberg. Wow, and I thought like that was Marky like the Mark. worst thing. I, I know you definitely can't call him Marky Mark. Yeah. But apparently Marky is... Uh, but was it right when that movie came out? Yeah. I don't think... Because now you couldn't. Yeah. I think maybe that... He, it was still in what limbo. What the fuck did you say to me? He was transitioning. What the fuck did you just call me? You fucking call me Marky? Oh, come here. I'm going to I'm gonna squish your funky bunch in my hand. <laughs> he loves when it's a guy because he loves using the funky bunch line <laughs> for his, your nuts. Yeah. If he said that, I think he'd want to do it. It's so that's a, that's a good line for him to say. I'll sell it to him. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing for free for mm. Marky Mark, Marky Mark Wahlberg. Any, uh, I forget what I was saying. Oh, oh. Y- oh, he comes home late and his mom is up waiting for him. And that does trigger a memory that one time I was in Lexington Center, shout out to the 02173, mm. which is just like a, a CVS, a Steve's Ice Cream, a Starbucks, Mario's, and the Lexington Flick where I worked. It's like a little town. It's like a little strip of a town. Yeah. And I would hang out there sometimes in high school, after, after school with my... With my punk rock friends. Okay. And they were, you know, smoking cigarettes and snorting Ritalin and stuff. Like, they were doing their, their nice. deeds, their dirty deeds. I was just, I was just watching. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the freak that's like, can I, can I just watch? But I don't do anything, but I do hang out with them. And, and for the first time in my life, this might tie into some of my social issues, too. Mm. Meaning my issues being social. I was feeling it. I was enjoying it. I was having fun. And they were staying out. It was dark. Mm. Usually, I was home well before dark. And I just stayed. These kids are ripped on uh, Ritalin. So they're having fun. I'm having fun. We're doing bits. We're having laughs. And I I live a 30-minute walk from where we were. So I stayed until like... I'm going to guess honest and true. I bet you I left at 8 o'clock. Wow. Like you'd think this, the way the story sort of goes, you would think it was like 10 o'clock. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give some wiggle and say maybe it was nine o'clock, but I doubt it. I, I've always loved sleep yeah. more than hanging out with, you know, Steve on Ritalin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I stayed and I'm pretty sure it was a Friday or Saturday and I stayed and I, I never did that. And my brother was always the one that would go out and I never went out. As I said in my book, I'm a house cat. So I stayed and it was dark and I walked home. And I'll, I mean, it's still burned in my memory. Mm. My mom was sitting at the dining room table, which had this sort of like, you know, uh, arc of windows around it. Like mm. it, you could really see it. Mm. And I just saw her sort of like, I mean, just the worst. Like sipping a glass of wine might have even been better than what she was doing, which was um, carving wood. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she was not carving wood. She was staring, just staring blankly. Sharpening a knife. Yeah, on a belt, too. The weird belt method? How does that work? I don't know. What is, what are the, what's the science behind that? Get a stone, please. Yeah. I understand stone. This guy's got a leather belt. Yeah, why? Why doesn't it cut the leather? Yeah. She's staring, and she, I still remember the look on her face. She just looked mad and more mad than anything. Mm-hmm. And I went in, and, and I don't really remember the discussion, but she was... Mad mm-hmm. and wondering where I was. So whenever I see that scene, Mark Wahlberg comes home. This is now appropriate. 
uh, six in the morning, mm-hmm. appropriate that she was worried. She's sitting in the dark, flips out, and when he's like, why are you being mad? Why are you being mean to me? Don't be mean Don't to me. Don't be mean to me. And he yeah. goes, I'm going to be a big star. Yeah. And she, it just, it just kills me. But you're, you're absolutely right. That was a long way for me to go to just say that watching Boogie Nights with you is really helping because you're helping me see that it's not the movie and it's never the movie. Yeah. And it's never the person and it's never the place. It's always what you are projecting onto those things. And Boogie Nights, even though it's brilliant and there are so many moments mm. that you and I have been rewinding and watching again, I'm not even seeing the movie. Yeah. If you could see the movie through my eyes, you would see so many translucent replays of memories that are happening subconsciously. I am watching the movie. Mm-hmm. But these feelings that have nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. I do think you, not to single you out, because I, but I do too. I just would have to think, you know, like things with kids being mistreated or like in bad households yeah. always really gets me. Um, but like you really will think a movie is a bad movie based on your specific biases. Yeah. That's, that's the nightmare of my life. Your dad likes Goodfellas. You hate Goodfellas or like he likes anything with Italians and you hate anything. I don't hate anything with Italians. (laughs) I'm just kidding. There's a certain hurdle I have to get over. If I'm watching a movie and I get the sense that my dad would like it, mm-hmm. uh, and that is that's just that's my cross to bear. And he loves Goodfellas, yeah. And we we've talked about this, but he let me watch the first ten minutes of Goodfellas, which includes a knifing. Ugh. And I also saw parts of Casino where they have a guy's head in a in like a. I don't even want to say what it was. Why the fuck am I seeing this? So even that speaks to my major father issue, Mm. which was like, do you see that I'm in the room? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like, turn fucking Goodfellas off. Yeah. Even if you've never seen it before, and you thought he was going to open the trunk and give him a smooch. (laughs) The Italians love smooching. Maybe he's going to smooch him. (laughs) Now he's going to stab him with a knife, and I'm going to remember that. Yeah. And the sound, some Foley artist with a cantaloupe scarring my childhood. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's beautiful, actually, the way you described that. What? <laughs> like, do you see that I'm in the room? I liked the Foley art. <laughs> I like the Foley art. We ended on a laugh. <laughs> we ended kind of on a laugh. It was like, it was. did P.T. Henderson write that? <laughs> oh, my Jesus. Can we talk a little, just a smidge? Just a little smidge. Just a spark. Like, just a nutmeg to eggnog mm-hmm. is this discussion to this whole. <laughs> okay. The writing is falling apart. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> so funny. Uh, Sorry, but my inner critic, when I get him mm-hmm. uh, on board, inner critic does not host this podcast, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> yes. Um, P.T. Anderson, one of the things that a bad habit that I have from writing for TV and writing other things, writing sketches and stuff, is you really want to be careful not to repeat yourself. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody says, like, Will you hand me your wallet? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, I already handed you the cash. Like you say the cash. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily, that's not a great example, but like you don't want to say wallet yeah. too many times. Uh-huh. And you don't want to say anything too many times. Yeah. You want it to be fresh. That, that, the, that's like sort of the M&M store version of writing mm-hmm. is like the point of writing it ahead of time is so people don't talk like a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. And then here comes Tarantino and here comes P.T. Anderson. And, and he, he would be like, hand me the wallet. Will you give me the wallet? 
I'm a man sitting here asking you to give me the what. That sounded way overwritten, but I'm just saying like he wouldn't he would mind. would do something similar, yeah. He'll say, I'm a man offering to buy you a cup of coffee and a cigarette. You know, like yeah. he says stuff like that. He breaks, he breaks every rule. Like there's no rhyme or reason. And the way that people talk in his movies, and it's not like Sorkin where like you can really tell, but he does have, which is even cooler actually, because he does have like a style, but he can put that style into different characters' voices. It's yeah. not all one voice. I completely agree. And if there is a criticism I'd give of Sorkin, it's like Lucille Ball talks like, like Aaron Sorkin. Or talks like the president of the United States. Or talks like the president of the That's why he's best in those high situations where you're like, I bet most of the people here have a similar grasp of language because they're in politics. Yeah. And they're all jacked on coffee and nicotine and they're buzzing around the West Wing. Yeah. That, that's more forgivable than like... The snappy dialogue between Lucille Ball and a, and a writer's assistant. Yeah. Although, I, I guess you could say Maybe. Sorkin in show business is never my favorite. Like Studio 60, whenever he gets into the comedy, yeah. not that not, he's very funny, but when he, he gets into making comedy, yeah. like the ABCs of comedy, mm-hmm. I was like, eh, yeah. It's not my, for some reason, it's not my favorite. Probably because I make comedy. But, right. Yeah. And you're harder <laughs> on it. And you know the world better. Um, but P.T. Anderson really, I, it's, I, I'm always just like, who talks like this, but in the best way where it's so engaging and interesting and you can't find a pattern and it's always surprising. Well, that's it, always it? surprising. I, I've been circling this so much lately, which is all of entertainment. And this doesn't just mean entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. This means everyone listening when you're being entertaining, when you're in a conversation at work, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying this is universally true, is what comedy is and even what drama is and all things entertaining, even music, mm. it's surprise. Yeah. And that's why it's so fun. Maybe we've made this point before, but like Christopher Walken is so entertaining because you don't know how... Why did he... The ceiling fan. Yeah. Why did he say it like that? Why did like, he put the emphasis on, on that? fan. Like yeah. ceiling fan. Right. Ceiling fan on medium. <laughs> I put it up. I touched the dial. And this yeah. impression is overdone. <laughs> I'm enjoying not, it. It's not very good. But <laughs> a walking impression is like pizza. Even <laughs> bad pizza. Still pretty fun. <laughs> No, it wasn't. The only thing I can do is Jay Moore's impression of him that he did on Conan's podcast, which he said that Christopher Walken, you know, they do the meeting at SNL, like right before where they're all just kind of pitching Pitching the host ideas. And then they asked him, like, do you have any ideas that you want to do? And he just said, "Mm, bear suits are funny and bears as well. (laughs) Bear suits are funny. And bears as well. And bears as well. Like, that's P.T. Anderson. Bear suits are funny and bears as well. Is P.T. Anderson. You have just tied Jay Moore's impression of Christopher Walken <laughs> into what we're talking to so perfectly. Well, it started with you comparing Christopher Walken to the dialogue in P.T. That's fair. I, no, I was saying surprise. He just oh, says yeah. things surprisingly. But that is a snippet of dialogue that is yeah. exactly... What PT Anderson would And it would just like. is like, who thinks of this? And then you talk, you hear him in interviews, 
And he's just, he talks like you or I or anybody yeah. we know. So he's not talking like that, but he knows how to write it in such a beautiful way. Yeah. Love yeah. it. All right. This has been You, made you it. Me with PT. <laughs> you, Me with PT. Welcome to the Parent Teacher Association discussion of P- Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh my gosh, PTA. The PTA on PTA. Wow. Here's a bit I wrote when I was uh, 20 something. Okay. There's an aerosol air freshener made with real fruit. <laughs> Finally, a way to screw over the ozone and hungry people. <laughs> oh my God. That is so dumb. I remember I, I sort of improved that bit where I was like, oh, this is what it was. I go, there's an air freshener made with real fruit. I saw in the can, it said made with real fruit. Wow. I, this is how I would say it now. That's a real fuck you to starving people, isn't it? Oh, that's funny. I know you need uh, you need food to live, but... Uh, oh, no. I know you're starving to death, but uh, I just took a shit. <laughs> I didn't say any swear words back then, so I probably said dump. Yeah. Uh, and that is so... Who is that? It's very Jim Gaffigan-y. I know you're starving to death, but I just took a dump. Yeah. It's very Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, I love it. Give us another one. I, I, give us another song, minstrel. <laughs> I always get running shoes. I don't run. I remember how I changed this, but I like to have the option. <laughs> mm, that's funny. It's not bad. It is so exactly what my first couple years of stand-up should be. Yeah. I, I don't want to get caught. If something starts chasing me, I don't want to get caught wearing walking shoes. It's just, <laughs> you know what it is? This is a category of joke that every comedian uh, you know, in my generation, I don't know, comedians these days, they seem to be like growing exponentially and faster because of the internet or whatever it might be. But people my age all had to go through a phase where they wrote jokes like this. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of us, it was um, hand soap. Can I use hand soap on my face? Mm-hmm. Or I used hand soap on my face and my face like burned. Like what happens? Yeah. Like it's absurd to call something hand soap. It's absurd to call a shoe a running shoe. Got it. When you can walk in it. Uh-huh. When you can slump in it. Then I saw okay. Dimitri Martin's Comedy Central Presents and I've said many times uh, that I lost 8 to 12 bits watching his special. Mm. And one of them was um, I, I like whenever I wear flip-flops I put them on going I'm basically what I'm saying when I wear flip flops is I hope nothing chases me today. Wow. Which yeah. is the better Working. version. Yeah. Because flip flops aren't just called walking shoes, they yeah. are walking shoes. Right. Yeah. So he like found it was the and same it's like dish. Concise it's and, concise. Yeah. You also made it a lie that you tell yourself, which sort of, in my opinion, ties it to the family of like not wearing your seatbelt or flying on a plane or all these things that we we realize every day we're making these micro decisions that are jeopardizing our safety. Yeah. Like leaving your house is like a dangerous thing to do. And mm-hmm. yet we all do it. Mm-hmm. I thought I was just thinking about like people that live in bunkers, like every, everyone's sort of aware mm-hmm. that that is not, and isn't it sort of beautiful that that is not the goal. Right. Like if you're a billionaire, I'll let, I'll let Jeff Bezos off the hook. I always say Bezos. No one's have like. To let him off the hook. Okay, well, if you're Jeff Bezos, nobody's like. Well, he's going to make an underground paradise mm-hmm. where he can have everything that he needs. Maybe these people have those things, but they don't live in them. Mm-hmm. Even though COVID and and all these different things could happen, 
we still know that life is worth the risk. Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like the risk of life. I love that. That's beautiful. Um, oh, and this is funny because the other bit I lost, I'm looking at my page here. The other thing I lost when I watched that was, and I think mine was better, uh, not better, but if, whatever. Dimitri Martin had a joke about a marathon not really being a race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, or it might have been Gaffigan actually. He goes, he goes, it's not really a race. It's a guy from Kenya and then a blah, blah, blah. And then just 10,000 losers. <laughs> and I had the same joke where I said, parade of losers. And I thought oh, parade of losers. Because it does become a parade of losers. Yeah. Parade of losers is better. For a- that, Thank you. For hours and hours and hours after a winner has been declared, yeah. there's still these people Jesus. with bleeding yeah. nipples yeah. slumping in a parade of losers. <laughs> That's very funny. I like that one. I wish we knew how far into your stand-up career these jokes were. Well, 2004. I was still open micing. Okay, so 2004, you were. Uh, I have no 25? idea. 25. It might. Well, actually, let no me check way. the date. Let me check the date. I don't. I mean, 25 I sounds right. You would have been like three years in. Well, my number it says at the top seven seven three. This is my real old number, so feel free. Don't oh call this person. Seven nine one. Well, I won't say it. That's so funny because remember. There, we said that numbers don't start with a seven. That was that's a synchronicity. That is because in I think in Magnolia he there's gives, a phone number and it's not a five five five. It's a full number and it starts with a seven. And you said, "Is that a real number?" And I go, "Real numbers don't start with seven. <laughs> Long pause, and I go, "Yes, they do." My first <laughs> cell phone started with a seven. Also, it says "reward if found," reward which is if very. Found. Cute. I used to write. In everything, my mm. my book bag and everything, I would write. This notebook was stolen from Pete Holmes. Oh, I that's thought that was the funny. funniest. That's really funny. Little bit. I don't know, but here's one that I don't. I, I don't know. I don't remember this bit, and I'm going to read it. Okay, live. I'm live here to Lo- tape. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I don't know what that. <laughs> Is that not part of this? Um, I think it's marathons. I'm not going to do that. Oh. But I will keep the running shoes. I love them. And I'm not a thief, but whenever they let me try out the sneakers in front of the store, I always think about running to my car and not paying for them. Here's how I'd rewrite that joke. I love that part when they let you try the sneakers outside of the store because we all have the same thought. I could make it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just, just quick. It's really good. I could just keep running all the way to the car. And I think all I'd be leaving behind is my old shoes. <laughs> that's what makes it worth it. Yeah, that's all I'd be leaving behind is my old shoes. <laughs> very. Cute. I didn't park that far away, and the shoe cur- clerk can't catch me. I mean, I saw he's wearing walking shoes. That is so t- the callback to that, right? For and a then lot it says, of hey, come back. Hey, here. come back here in quotes. So say hey, come back here is the tag. Oh my gosh! When you're, especially when I was starting out. Oh, this is. I remember this. When you're starting out, you think every bit has to like close in a callback. That's why I didn't like Chris Rock's mm. callback at the end of Tambourine because he closed on a yeah. callback. And it and again, we're back to me watching Boogie Nights. I'm not seeing the special. Like, did it make you laugh or didn't it? I'm just going like, that's too early stand up. Mm-hmm. My early stand up, maybe mm-hmm. he's allowed to do it. It yeah. worked. Yeah. This is this is a, another old funny bit. I think it was funny. I remember it working at an open mic. 
There's a phenomenon with people who travel to Israel who get so caught up with the biblical history of the area that they actually start to think they're Jesus. This is true. I remember reading this. It happens so much the Israel, that Israel has agents all over Jerusalem trying to find these guys. That's an exaggeration, and, and you don't have to exaggerate it. It happens so often they have a department of their law enforcement that like deals with it, oh. which I, I believe was true. They're the fake Jesus police, hanging out in hot spots, looking for red flags, restaurants, how many in your party, 13. <laughs> What's the last name of Nazareth? Oh what can I get for everyone? Just a fish and some rolls we're going to share. This is terrible. <laughs> Something from the bar, just water. I'm going to get fucked up tonight. That was that because he turns into one. Yeah. Waitresses go to the back, pick up the red phone. He's here. I got one. Yes, I'm sure they're sitting on the same side of the table. Oh my god, I like that one. You're fine. <laughs> so the fake Jesus police bring him in, talk to him, see if he's stable. And this is all routine for them. But you know, sometimes they have to wonder, what if this guy is Jesus? <laughs> what if this time it is the second coming? I guess they figure that's a chance they have to take if this is the real Jesus. Oh, I hate this. There's so many jokes like this. If he's the real Jesus, it'll be an inconvenience. We might be wasting his time, but hey, he'll forgive us. I, oh, yeah. I can't stand. <laughs> I can't. There's there's a couple things. A Jesus, he'll forgive us yeah. joke is maybe it's... the most overdone. It's mm-hmm. like the, don't you mean Dr. Frankenstein? Like, like yeah. it's just overdone. Yeah. And Frankenstein's monster. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you. I even my, got that wrong. <laughs> my friend's four-year-old, Lior, said that to me, by the way. he, I, I said, we, it was Halloween and we saw Frankenstein. I was like, look, it's Frankenstein. And he went, he has a lisp. And he went, it's Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> I was like, oh kid. God. Your Frankenstein's <laughs> monster right now. <laughs> in this moment. Um the other thing that I, everybody that listens to this show will know that I absolutely hate, but I keep seeing it, mm-hmm. is comedians going, do you really think a snake told two naked people to eat an apple? Mm-hmm. And that's what they use to dismiss yep. all of religion. Yeah. But oh. even more often, it's, you really believe there's an old man in the sky? Yeah. Do you, I always want to retort with, do you really believe that these people really believe that there's an old man in the sky? Some people do. Yeah. Kristen Shaw, quite famously to me on this podcast, said she believed in an old man in the sky. Almost. And then there's a lot of fundamentalists. Yeah. And I believe that they probably do believe in something like that. Mm-hmm. Some of them. Mm-hmm. And then there's just most, not most, but a lot of intelligent, heartfelt, thoughtful Myth appreciation, mystical people of all faiths yeah. that don't believe that, and you're burning down a straw man, and and it doesn't even offend me just uh, that it's stupid and kind of like a weak argument, but it's also from a comedian, and if a comedian came at any other topic, yeah, he couldn't just skim uh, skip the stone on the on the lake. Mm-hmm. Comedians are supposed to swim in the lake, yeah, and, and and get at what we're really talking about. Give me a more intelligent. And a better articulated... It's just such a waste of time. Yeah. But that is actually making me remember the first time somebody said those things to me. It was so sad. It was it's, it was a real life moment for me. Uh, I was 14 and my friend Devin was like this... I was... I went through this like all throughout middle school. I had like two 
boy best friends and BBS. felt like very cool that my best friends were boys and I was like the cool girl. And of course Fine. I had a crush on one of them, but not um, Devin, but not Devin, but Devin is so, was so sweet. A Devin. real winner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Devin was, we cool. like Devin. We like Devin. Um, cause it wasn't a mean, he wasn't saying it in a mean way. He was also a 14 year old in the church. He played saxophone in the worship band. I'm hearing cute? refiners fire on C3PO's leg. Uh, I went, I went, you're alto. I also, I was looking at you to be like, are we going to keep going? And you took like a, such a sincere breath. <laughs> Let me, yeah, I have to empty the spit valve. Um, speaking of, that's funny. I also do have a read from Devin, like a read Cute. from his thing. Cause he gave it to me and said, keep this forever. And, <sighs> and it was funny. And I was like, I'm going, I will. You do and still I have still it? have it. And that wow. was... Uh, oh, I want to make a 17 years later. I want to make a band camp funny t-shirt that says, I know how to read. And it's a picture That's of a read. That's so funny. That's cute. They would love it too. I oh, feel like the nerds. overlap <laughs> of like pun loving nerds yeah. and pun loving saxophone players is a hundred percent. A hundred. It's that Venn diagram a is a circle. It's a circle. Um, but anyway, so he, I really loved him and he is so sweet and we were in the worship band together and. And then, but he had come to it late. Like he came, I don't remember how, but he came to it. He had only been in the church for like a couple years. And I remember one day after the, the like youth service on Wednesday nights, we were hanging out just like talking on the stage. And he was like, I don't know if I can keep coming here. And I was like, what? And he was like, I just like, like, do you really think? Adam and Eve really happened and like all of that. And just yeah. and like, and you, and why would, if God could do anything, why wouldn't he stop the suffering? Yeah. All the basic arguments, which he was 14 years old. So for 14, that was really smart. Yeah. When it's Ricky Gervais, it gets annoying. Exactly. When it's adult <laughs> men, you're like, this is dumb, but, or like Bill Maher. You really believe in talking snake. Yeah. Come on, you're a comedy genius. Can we go a little bit deeper? Yeah. And like religious or whatever. There's, I also have no the rule. thing where I'm like, what are you doing? Just let the people believe what they believe. If it's, if it's not fundamentalist and like hurting someone. Which I think, I have a soft spot for religious because I saw it right after my wife and I split up, my first wife obviously. Mm. And I was so scared my whole life of seeing movies like that. And I saw it and like, I was like, I didn't get struck by lightning and I, I enjoyed it. And I still, I still believed in God. I just like, yeah, I just saw like, oh, that's worth looking into. Uh You know what I mean? Yeah. It was helpful. Uh, for, to be fair, I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing. New rule. Um, new rule. Watch my movie before you criticize it. If you're going (laughs) to criticize my movie, watch it first. Okay. Um, but anyways, and he, and I just remember it, it was the first time I had anybody in my life was like challenging this, these yeah. beliefs yeah. at all. Yeah. And it was somebody I loved and somebody I really considered to be very smart, which was important to me. And I really wanted to be smart too. And I like, I remember getting in my brother's Oldsmobile. It was his first car. He had like a '87 white Oldsmobile with leather interior. Ooh, what and color was the leather? It was tan, like camel. 
and the the <laughs> the ceiling was you know that like soft upholstery. Oh yeah, same as the seventy uh, nine Bonneville I drove. Yeah, with the powder blue interior. You showed me a picture of that once, and I was like, that looks a lot like my brother's car. Yeah, and the the upholstery on the ceiling came loose, so it would slump, and we'd have to like hold it up cute, so that you could see. It was cute. very cute. Not and, safe, but cute. Yeah. And I remember just getting in the car and sobbing. Like, lo- just, man, my brother was like, what happened? And I was like, Devin had all these points and I couldn't answer them. Yeah, and, and you I, felt like it was, I remember that. You felt like it was your job. It was my job. And I told, and it was a big event because it was like a whole other day. I told my mom about it. And I remember her saying, do you really think that God would put the salvation of this one person on your shoulders. Mm. And really what I should have said is like, yeah, because that's the shit you guys are teaching us. We, yes. Yep. Yep. There's a lot I want to say, but I I feel like there's some things we're not, (laughs) we don't share on the podcast, but yes, very, very interesting. And and really true. My mom really never, she just said this in the most recent conversation I had with her. She she never really was a per- personally like a heaven and hell person. She well, didn't give much thought to either. That's why, to that. and I, I I thought that was awesome. And I was like, but it sort of doesn't work if you're in a church that is. Yeah, like it's not great. Yeah. Like if your private beliefs don't match those being preached from the pulpit and represented in the congregation. It's almost like if you're sort of like a closet lover of everybody. Yeah. It's it's like it's like saying you're not really being an ally, you know yeah. what I mean? It's not safe. But you know, and, I, and it's interesting because also Like thanks for telling me now, but when I was 10, I thought you did believe in heaven and hell I because think, you weren't exactly trumpeting it. Yeah. I'm not talking about your mom, I'm talking about everybody. Yeah. And it's also the most compelling thing you can tell a kid is like if you don't do right and you don't do the right things, you are going to burn in fire forever. It's child abuse. And your friends will it yeah. But even though nobody, like my parents never directly said that to me, I knew that my dad was a pastor because he didn't want people to burn in hell. So a kid, I think there was just, for so many people that I know growing up in this, maybe the parents just didn't know how much the kids were really paying attention and taking it to heart. I hear that. And I just go like, shame on you then. You don't remember what it's like to be a kid. Yeah. You don't remember what it's like to really believe in Santa Claus, really believe in the tooth fairy, really believe in everything everyone tells you. Like how much have you severed the tie between you and your child self? Yeah. A hundred percent with most people. And my dad, I remember saying, especially when we were like, teenagers you know that that we have to find our own faith and it's okay if we if we like leave or doubt or wander because he like we should do that so that we can come to it on our own which is a great idea and i do believe that he wanted that and believed that but it's like but the foundation has been that i'm risking going to hell for eternity right so i don't feel safe to doubt yeah. because yeah. what if I'm and my you're poor, only safe in this bunker there's monsters out there that will eat you but go you should go out into the monster laden <laughs> yeah. wilderness and you'll and, see that I'm right and you'll see that I'm <laughs> right and you'll come back and then you'll really know what I was trying to save you from yeah. like now that we know that these were just grown ups just like you and me yeah. not how can you be entirely clear on any metaphysical existential point whatsoever yeah, yeah. you really kind of go like 
you know, and I can also go like you were doing your best. You were doing your best. Absolutely, I and they're they your both seem <laughs> They were both. They're both like pretty surprised at how scared of hell Derek and I were. My brother and I were. Again, which is I'm so just interesting. like like. People tell me sometimes, they go like, in fact, my father told me this. He's like, you don't realize they're paying attention, but they are. And I'm like, no, I realize they're paying attention. (laughs) Like, that's the main feature of me as a parent. (laughs) I'm like, I'm in the room. She's, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you're in the room. And I know you hear me and I know you see me. And the thought of telling Leela that... That that she could go to hell, or that her friends or dead people or yeah. anybody like it's it or, or that that that's how it works. See, that's the better. I had to go to Richard Rohr to find the comedy mm-hmm. that I've been looking for. R O H R. If you're the first time listening, because he find it, going at it like, do you really believe there's a talking snake? Weak. Mm-hmm. Do you really believe that going to a service, raising your hand, going up to the altar call? means you're good mm-hmm. and you can just sort of like fuck off for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Like it was all just about like a magical prayer and one moment where you tick a box yeah. and then you're saved. Yeah. Is that really what salvation is? Uh-huh. Like we love that because now we can go home and watch football or, or fucking whatever. Yeah. But we, nobody, and this is what Richard says at some point in the process. And by the way, I I could give a shit what religion you are. I want to see people transformed to ultimate reality. I want to see people wake up to ultimate reality. And that doesn't mean understanding reality. Mm -hmm. And as I've always said, that means communing with it and and being in harmony with the Tao, with the way of things. Mm -hmm. And that means you're not afraid. And that means you understand the oneness, the interconnectedness, and the love that's at the core of all things, Mm -hmm. the hum, Mm -hmm. the deep bass hum of all things. And when you realize you're being held, and when you realize that when you die, you don't go up to God, you go into God, Mm -hmm. you go inside you go. You don't go away from yourself. You go more deeply and more honestly and more accurately and truly into your capital S self. Mm-hmm. That's transformation. And that takes a lot of fucking work. I can tell you that. Yeah. But you're going to have to feel it and experience it and realize it a thousand times. I don't know. I've realized that and forgotten it a hundred thousand times. Yeah. And I also think this is key. And if you don't... It's okay, too. It's okay, too. Buddy... Thank you for co-host. I know you're not. You're also the host of this podcast. I guess that's what a co-host is. Oh, shit. My co-pilot is Jesus. My co-host is Val. That's it. Yeah. That goes back to my point about you watching Boogie Nights. Holiness is derived from the same word, same root word as wholeness. Yeah. And being able to watch Boogie Nights and to be able to see suffering, exploitation, Whatever it might be, strangeness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eckhart Tolle in the car this morning was like, a fully realized person has no argument. Mm. They don't argue with people because they don't identify with mental positions. And things happen to them yeah. just like they happen to everybody. But they've dropped the labels good and bad. It yeah. just is. Yeah. And we know that we live in a world. And in my higher moments, I, I don't just mean on drugs. I mean like when I'm in, in tune, mm. uh, you recognize that... The most obvious lava lamp, smoking a J in your dorm room stuff, which is that we know the light because of the dark. The two define each other. Same coin, different sides. In fact, you can't have one without the other. And again, that's what Eckhart Tolle was saying. We just want growth. Yeah. 
He's like, but if you just have growth, it becomes monstrous. It becomes mo- that's exactly what he says. It yeah, becomes I, monstrous. I always remember that. And that and this coming from one of my great teachers, mm-hmm. I get the feeling that he knows as a creative person that there's just times where you dry up. Or as a happy person, that there's just times where you don't feel circumstantially happy, yeah. or you don't have, as I like to put it, you don't even have the energy to be happy. Mm. Brothers, sisters, and others, that's fucking everybody. Yeah. And if Petey was always this Petey, the Petey that likes to come on We Made It Weird, what a fucking nightmare for you, <laughs> and a fucking nightmare for me. Yeah. It's fun to be up, and yeah. to get all this out, and then the rest of the night, I'm going to be pretty quiet. Yeah. Balance. I- I really, you have made me realize that it it is like, I would say of all the the ways that I want to grow and things that I'm interested in, I feel like it is my life's work to be able to look at life the way that I watch Boogie Nights. That's in my book. <laughs> That's what soul consciousness is. Yeah. It, watching things from a soul level. Yeah. It, is you just go like, oh, wow. Well. But also... I, I want to say, uh, maybe for me, what's maybe this is obvious for you and for others, but for me, what's changed recently is that like watching things from the soul and like the idea of, of being the observer, all of that is so close to dissociation. It's not, but That's it right. can be mistaken as dissociation. That's right. And for me, I'm like, oh, I... I really want to experience and feel all of it and be able to step back and just be like, isn't all of this gorgeous? Like, this is a beautiful movie that has so much suffering and sadness and all of that. And all of it. Okay. I'm so glad you said that because I was talking to Rob, Rob Bell. And I haven't talked... The the pandemic has been rough on our face-to-face time. (laughs) Like, we don't see each other that often. And I would say we haven't had, like, a a long conversation in years. Like, two years. And I had something on my mind, and I wanted his advice, and I called him. And we had this lovely chat. And he was saying exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, anytime you... First of all, he said something that I love. He goes... Anytime I hear the, my voice say, I should probably this, this, or this, mm-hmm. he goes, that's a kill switch for me. Because yeah. I was saying, I feel like I should probably do this because I'm like supposed to do this. He's mm-hmm. like, that's a kill switch. Just stop. Love that. Like that's old, old programming. You don't need to do that. And then I can hear Brody barking and it's distracting me. The wholeness of Brody barking. <laughs> I only know silence because I know Brody barking. <laughs> but he said something that you would absolutely love. And he was actually sort of poo-pooing something that I enjoy, mm. which is uh, false self, true self. Mm. We talk, or even soul, Pete, mm. soul, Valerie. Uh, I can watch from my soul or I can watch from Pete. He's like, as soon as you divide, you've lost it. Mm. And as soon as, maybe dividing yourself and going, there's a true me and a false me helps you get to the next level of consciousness. But mm. as soon as you're there, you're going to have to sew those back together. Wow. And he's like, because... And, and he, he's made this point to me, even about um, sexuality, after he read my book. He was like, you need to, it, it's like Richard Rohr's book, Everything Belongs. You need to wake up. And my 5-MEO trip, one of the things I kept repeating after I, I was coming down was, you're not a mistake. You're not a mistake. Mm. Not just meaning life isn't a mistake, mm. but Valerie isn't a mistake. Yeah. And everything I saw just 
absolutely belonged, absolutely belonged. Mm. Your horniness, your anger, your pettiness, your your unintelligence, your intelligence. I was just like, it's all here. Yeah. It's all just another little tile on the mosaic. And it fucking belongs and it matters. And it's not a waiting room and it's not a test. It's this for the sake of this because this wanted to this itself. Yeah. This is this thing itself. <laughs> and you are precious and i could say that to everyone listening without knowing anything about them and i do sound a little bit like jim baker but (laughs) man if i have a movie recommendation to everybody it's the eyes of tammy tammy baker tammy 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 faye Faye baker fucking amazing so good one of my favorite movies uh, of the year for sure but of recent memory yeah and as a religious person watching a movie I, i know mike showalter a little bit and I don't think he grew up religious, and I, I was skeptical mm-hmm. and a little worried at the beginning with the church scenes. But then they they nailed Nail it. it. They yeah. nailed it, and yeah. it was so good. And I know I'm sounding a little bit like a televangelist, <laughs> but like you could, I could say if it makes it any less uh, salesmany, mm-hmm. I could say the same to every rock, every drop of rain, mm-hmm. every piece of cow shit. Yeah. Is also just like, look at the way, this is the way that this is this thing itself today. Yeah. And that is not a dissociated place when you're seeing it through no lenses. I'm watching Boogie Nights through 15 lenses. I feel like the realized person is watching things as they are. Yeah. As they are. Depersonalized. You're dying. When was it all about you? Mm-hmm. Fucking get over yourself. <laughs> your story. Your life situation. Mm-hmm. Drop it. Mm-hmm. That's That's why, you know... That's why I, I I don't know I I believe the realized person dying is way different from from a from somebody that was just trying to lick and and have sex with and taste mm-hmm. and buy and and really believed he gives that example like Artole gives that example of the aging actress mm-hmm. who when they were eighty and their beauty had faded became a recluse and wouldn't leave the house he mm-hmm. was like of course because mm-hmm. nobody told you. That you're you're about spiritual beauty. Yeah. Nobody told you about the opportunity of watching your your fading looks as an opportunity for the the veil of your body getting thinner and the spirit shining more fully and more clearly through. Yeah. And I was like, that's that's transformation. That's not a magical prayer. Mm-hmm. That's not an altar call. That's like something that you have to grind into you. That's why I love talking about it every time it comes up. This is me grinding it into me. Everyone listening, this is potentially you grinding it into you. We're trying to help each other uh, wake up. Yeah. Yeah. I also, it made me think that Eckhart Tolle does, I love what Rob said. And I think that's exactly, just so perfectly articulating what I've been going through the last few months of just being like, wait, I want to go deeper into life. I don't want to leave life. I don't want to be... Thinking like all of this, none of this matters. This is silly. This is, I I like the feeling of going deeper into life and I feel closer to it, whatever it is, closer to God, the deeper I am in. This is going to sound like a forced cold plunge bring up, Mm -hmm. but that's why cold plunge. Mm -hmm. And and you want to talk about sounding nutty. Wim Hof, the cold plunge guy, he's like the cold is God. The cold is the gateway to the soul. Wow. He's like, the universe is cold. Space is cold. He's like, yeah. it's there to enliven you and wake you up. And it, it, and that's why I like to get in very, very cold water first thing in the morning. Because it, it, it fills you with that, as you say, 
I, I feel so alive. <laughs> That's just my way in. Yeah. But I wouldn't be doing that yeah. if it wasn't for exactly what you're saying. But it... And you wouldn't be here if you didn't want to be doing this. This is what we want to be doing. Yeah. And it does make me think like Eckhart Tolle, who like uh, neurologically is awakened. Like he's awakened, but it also is like something happened in his brain and he doesn't have an ego. Yeah, right. He, like cat scannable awakened. Yes. He he still is like, I enjoy nice things. I, I sometimes have a glass of wine. Like yeah. he's like doing, he still is enjoying life. Right. Um, because what do you do? He's trying to enjoy everything. Yeah. The only thing that Including I Including disappointments or strange things or a weird fan cornering him in a Whole Foods. Like, all of it. Yes. That's it. That's it. Like, I don't know if he feels things in the same way, but that's what I would add for me is I'm trying to be like... Like, Leela has every emotion to, like, exponentially... Uh, every single day, you know, she has like 10 out of 10, that emotion when she has it. Yep. And it's, and when I watch her doing it, of course, there's so many times, most of the times when I'm like, this is hard. She's screaming and she's wanting whatever. But when I can zoom out, I'm like, look at you, you beautiful creature having all of the human, yeah, everything yeah. that the human experience has to offer. Yeah. You're so dynamic. You're gorgeous. You're so deep. You have so much. And you do life. what you do. You don't, if, if she's a, if she's buttering a piece of bread, the bread is yellow with butter. It's so <laughs> yeah. butter. Yeah. She's not like, you don't hear the scrape of the nut. She's yes. coated in butter. That's yeah. her anger. That's her frustration. And that is her joy. Yep. She I, does what she does 100%. And then she moves on to the next thing. She's done. Yeah. After she's done with her, her work, or I don't mean her work, I mean like the goings on. Yeah. She is done. I just really want to be able to be brave enough to do that for my own feeling. But that's it. Be converted and become as little children. Yeah. You know, um, you. I think you'd be proud and maybe we can close on this um, just because I know the time. You've you've had such a good influence on me with some of the parenting books and stuff that you've read. I was walking with Leela, and she we we wound we bought a pterodactyl, mm-hmm. a wind up pterodactyl, and we put it on a ledge, and it was walking goofy as wind up pterodactyls do, and it fell off. This is the first thing we the first time we ever wound it up, and it fell off and it landed on the sidewalk, and it wasn't that big of a deal. And I was like, clearly it's not broken. And I picked it up, and it was broken. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I caught myself saying something like, um, she was she was upset, and I was like, it, I didn't say be a big girl and don't cry, but I was like, don't be sad. Mm. And then I went, or you know, be sad if you want, mm-hmm. but just know that daddy's going to fix it when we get home. Yeah. But go ahead and be sad. But I caught myself, yeah. even just us. Yeah. Like, of course, yeah. you know, I'm that way, just us. But like, it felt really pure. Yeah. It wasn't to perform, and I know I'm talking about it now and making it a performance, but like you've you've helped me realize it's like, and I just can't wait to see the effect on somebody that has two parents going like, you're mad instead yeah. of we're just one generation away from like, don't be mad, don't be sad, yeah. get that look off your face. Yeah. And uh, what were you doing in Lexington Center until eight fifteen p.m.? <laughs> Although, cut to me freaking out. We, I'm so glad we have cell phones. I know that that must have been crazy when you didn't have cell phones for, and your kids were just out. Yeah, um, yeah. And I did the same thing actually. 
so it got reinforced. But when she came home, she was sad about it. And mm-hmm. I was like, you just buy your toy and it broke. You're sad. And she was like, I sad about Terragackle. Oh, God. <laughs> so good. And then tell her what she said. This this will be the last thing. And then we can. I have the poem. Oh, and a poem. Great. Uh, uh, she, was, she said. We, so then I tried to fix it and I couldn't fix it. And, of course, she got sad again. And, and then she went, I'll try to fix it. And then she tried to fix it and couldn't. And she went, maybe he'll fix himself. We just have to wait. And I was like, I, I wanted I to be it. like, I, I was like, oh, that's that's sweet. I don't know if that's going to happen, though. And she was like, uh, she was like, we just wait. And I was like, well, you know, maybe it will. Like, I guess. Why I didn't want to in that moment I consciously was like well I don't want to like take away the magic like okay maybe it's also we don't know how these things work I know she yeah. wasn't thinking this but it's yeah. like maybe it just needs to rest yeah and then she was exactly right that's exactly what happened she tried a little bit later and it totally worked look so. we, as nutmeg to the eggnog <laughs> we only talked so a little bit about magnolia so is the days of our lives. And we're only going to be two parents gushing about our, our adorable daughter. <clears throat> Here's a poem written by... Written by Mark Nepo. Nepo! Finding Nepo! Called Breaking Surface. Here's the music. Wait for the music. Wait for the music. Eric Satie, Gymnopédie. Gymnopédie. Okay. Let no one keep you from your journey. No rabbi or priest... No mother who wants you to dig for treasures she misplaced. Oh, sorry. Let me try that again. <laughs> Let me take that again. <laughs> I didn't think you ruined it, but I, I love the beginning so much. I'd love to hear it again. Yeah. And it's so like, ap- it became, I chose it before the podcast, but then it became apropos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Noticed. <laughs> okay. Let no one keep you from your journey. No rabbi or priest. No mother who wants you to dig for treasures she misplaced. No father who won't let you let one life be enough. No father who won't let one life be enough. No lover who measures their worth by what you might give up. No voice that tells you in the night it can't be done. Let nothing dissuade you from seeing what you see or feeling the winds that make you want to dance alone or go where no one has yet to go. You are the only explorer, your heart the unreadable compass, your soul the shore of a promise too great to be ignored. Wow. Yeah. Sweet. That's a great one. Thank you, Valerie. All right, babies. Keep it crispy. Bye. Bye. Loved it. Got got the coffin. So glad you got the coffin. Oh, keep rolling on the cough, please.